You are listening to the I Believe Podcast, and this is the Masterclass. Our earthly purpose is something that each and every one of us has, no matter who you are, where you were born, where you come from. It's very easy to gravitate towards discovering your earthly purpose, even on your own. Um, We will dive a little bit more into the subject of how our earthly purpose might be a little bit distinct from a purpose that can only come from God. But first, I'll talk a little bit about our purpose on earth how do we discover that purpose? What does that look like when we're living to the best of our abilities? I'm going to say this. Each and every one of us has a purpose, no matter who we are, where we are. And very early in life, if we just pay enough attention, there is a space where you begin to notice your abilities and those things that you're maybe naturally good at. Other things may have to be drawn out of you by life experiences, by things that happen to you, things you may have chosen or not chosen. But as you go through life, life has a way of helping all of us to gravitate towards those things that we were born to do, that we're meant to do, that we're naturally good at. A purpose is like that voice inside. There is sometimes you meet um, people, and I think all of us go through this, that purpose sometimes can be a quiet voice on the inside that you don't completely allow to come out loud because of how you've perceived yourself to be. But like I said before, if you just stop and pay a little bit of attention to who you are holistically, not just in how you present yourself or how you presented yourself to people, but you take time to look a little bit deep within, to listen to your inner voice and your inner being, it will always direct you towards who you are meant to be and to do the things you are meant to do. Many times we find ourselves in an earthly purpose dilemma where we have been conditioned, maybe through school, maybe through um, through parenting, uh, that there was a certain path that was chosen for us. You have to go to school. You can't be an artist. Or uh, or we come from, uh, from, from a family of art. Why do you want to go into finance? So there is things that we go through, places where we're born, that... Uh, attempt to forge a certain purpose for us. But I think that it is not possible to completely discover your purpose if you don't listen to the quiet voice on the inside because your actual purpose in this world, the things that you're good at, don't always come out loud. Some people find, for instance, that in at a very early age, they have an athletic ability or a knack for cracking numbers or a different ability that is very easily recognizable, but it's not the same for everybody. I think that some of the greatest people in the world and some of the biggest things and talents that we never even see are with those who have a small voice of purpose from their inner being calling out to them. And because that purpose on the inside looks different from their conditioning, there is this fear 
to draw in and listen. You may have lived your whole life knowing uh, uh, that that you're a scholar or you're very academic, only to arrive at a time in your life when you you hear that voice on the inside of you telling you, for instance, that you know you're in love with music, you love song, you know, and it takes a lot of taking some downtime to listen. To the voice on the inside purpose is not always going to be loud but it will always call you it will always call you when i think of our earthly purpose i always think of the example of samuel the prophet samuel in the bible we see at a certain point that he was placed in an environment that very easily allowed him to find his God-given purpose, something that God intended for him to be or his earthly purpose, something God intended him to be from the very beginning. With that example, I know I'm already drawing a little bit into the fact that there is a need to invest. If we're going to go on the other side of the coin, there is a need to invest in an environment that allows us to discover our God-given purpose, not just our earthly purpose, but I'll hold that thought off just a little bit and give a casual example of the prophet Samuel in the Bible. He was from an early age allowed to be in an environment that natured his gift, that pushed him towards the discovery of his purpose at a very young age he heard that purpose call that he was going to be he he was going to serve in the house of god but even then the specificness again i'll dwell on it when i get into more of knowing and discovering your purpose by first knowing god um as seen with the prophet samuel first i'll just speak about the his earthly purpose he was called to be a minister of god But the privilege that the prophet Samuel has over many of us born today is the perception of, first of all, the guardian in his life that understood or realized or had an inclination as to what the purpose of Samuel was and made sure that he was in the kind of environment that natured the gift that and the blessing that he was to be to the world, the path in which he would walk forever, that he was meant to walk in. Many of us today do not have the privilege, but I would like to say this. It is important in discovering your earthly purpose and living a fulfilled life to invest in an environment that natures your gift, that very easily is more capable of bringing out the purpose within. Once you have an inclination, once you have your foot in the door to who you could possibly be in this life and the things that you're good at, the responsibility is then on you. If you didn't have the privilege to have a guardian or friends that forced you into a place of you becoming everything that you're meant to be, the honesty is in you to notice those things that you're good at, those things that set you on fire, and then to begin to create an environment around you that makes it very easy for you to gravitate towards harnessing your gift, harnessing those things that you're passionate about and being an impactful person for your life, for your community, your family, your country, and your generation. I find that it is much easier when you have been purposeful about your environment first 
that your personal purpose, the refinement of your gifts, your sweet spot, the thing and the place where you're supposed to influence the most in your life comes a little bit more easily. So the first thing for me would be recognizing the honesty is on you to recognize the things that you're passionate about, what you like to do, what you're naturally good at, and then begin to forcefully create an environment in which those things can thrive. And that will inevitably lead you to an influential space, a space where you will know who you are and what you want. I think that we cannot neglect the impact and the influence that people, the people in our lives have on ultimately our fulfillment of earthly purpose. It's like the analogy of tomatoes that we've heard from time to time that is used. You know, um, you easily place one, one bad tomato uh, with healthy tomatoes. That one tomato is influential. It's very influential. It might just be one, but it will ignite this movement of bacteria that soon enough, if you come back in seven days and you left that one bad tomato, that it's going to affect how the other tomatoes respond to their environment. And an analogy that helps us turn that uh, negative example into a positive one is of throwing a rock or a pebble in a still pool of water or in a pool of water. Generally, you easily see that ripple effect. So if throwing one rock in a pool of water causes ripple effects in such a way that that body of water is never the same, that it begins a whole movement that wouldn't have been there if that rock wasn't there. How much more are the people and the things we allow to have room in our lives? How much more are those things influencing us into becoming what we want to be? Company is important for the same reason that it is discouraged to have bad company. It is encouraged to have good company. If by being with people that are not planning and not finding out who they are, not on fire to do something meaningful in this world can impact you to be an average person, we can easily take that example and begin to multiply that effect by being purposeful to surround ourselves with positivity such that there is almost no room for negativity. Just imagine what that kind of light can do if we're purposeful about people, things, voices that come into our life that we allow to shape who we are because there isn't a self-made man in the entire universe. It doesn't matter if it's Martin Luther King or Mother Teresa or President Obama, just like the author Malcolm Gladwell says that we owe everything to parentage and patronage. I truly believe that because nobody came from nowhere. We all came from somewhere and all the things that we encountered 
help shape who we are today. So we cannot take away the influence that the people, the voices we allow in our lives to be dominant, that every single day they're shaping our lives in a way that they're coming to cause a movement in our soul, in our mind, in our body, that our lives are never the same, whether for the good or whether for the bad. But we can take that analogy and use it for good. There are talents, people, and things in this world that are amazing. That if you have a chance to listen or to see that it's a once in a lifetime act. And because we have different tastes, uh, it's not always the same experience that we have with everything we see. I remember the first time I went to one of the seven, I'm not sure if it's an eighth wonder now, of the world, the Victoria Falls here in Zambia, in Livingston. The first time I ever went to the Vic Falls, I always wondered what the craze was about. Why is it a seventh wonder? And the first time I went and stood in the middle of that, the valley and the water pouring over the mighty rocks that we call the Victoria Falls today in, on, on one side of the rift. And I, I was standing there and there was just this rain, rain at a time of the year when it doesn't rain. And my mind was blown by the fact that these mighty waters go all the way and plunge into this deep space that I cannot even see with my eyes. And then they hit the bottom with so much power that it starts to come back up towards that equal distance as rain. And I remember just laughing and giggling like a little child. And in that moment, I got it. I got it. It was amazing. I got it. I got why it was the seventh wonder. And that makes me think about the amazing things that exist in the world, things that we have the opportunity to do. Sometimes I get that same feeling when I hear a beautiful song, when I see someone running, like you said, boat, or a very talented person. It's a once-in-a-lifetime act. And it makes me think about in as much as all those things are great and all those things are amazing, there is also a time that we have to leave them behind involuntarily. There is a time when life as we know it on this earth ends. And for a long time, I was plagued by the thought, what is all this good for? What is all this good for? unless it points to something greater. Ever since I was a child, I was plagued by the idea of what we're doing in this world. Is this all there is? When I was 12 years old, I had a life-changing conversation with myself that drew me to begin to invest in knowing God, knowing if there was a God and investing in my spirituality. At the time, I couldn't identify as a Christian by knowing in my heart that that is what I had dedicated my life to. I couldn't do that. But when I was 12 years old, I looked at this world and I was already tired of living. 
in my 12 year old mind i thought far and wide i asked myself what is the greatest thing i could be if i could be anything in the world what could i be and i thought i would want to be the president of the world <laughs> because to me it wasn't enough just to <laughs> to head the WHO of the UN <laughs> or or be president of of the United States i thought fine what's bigger than that the president of the world just like one ruler and then i asked myself i would have all that and then what then i'd just die and then what and i was dissatisfied in as much as nobody had ever taught me about spirituality i knew as this, as many sons had had gone down and had come up that this life could bring me anything i wanted to do and i could be anybody i wanted to, to be but i lacked something on the inside there was an emptiness there was an emptiness that could never be filled by the things that i did and that is the other side of purpose that i want to talk about a little bit there is a earthly purpose which we've already talked about there's a earthly purpose what we do what we're talented at when we find a place of fulfillment a work that fulfills us in life we find a niche we glory in that moment our the greatness of humanity is seen through our different abilities there is that's the privilege of of living in this world of discovering our earthly purpose we've done the introspection we have reached a place where we find fulfillment but without knowing our reason for being I feel like it's very difficult to keep fueling those things that we do. So there is a purpose on the earth that empowers us to do what we've been called to do, but there is a purpose for knowing who we are that can only come from God. It's like the saying everybody has a God-shaped hole that only God can fill. No matter how great we are, there is nothing we can use to fill that god-shaped hole no matter what we accomplish in this world there is nothing that we can fill in that god-shaped hole there is a space in our hearts that only god can come and occupy and fill and i think that without god it is very easy even having discovered your earthly purpose to continue to have the zest to live or to have impact beyond this life every single person in this world has an innate desire to seek the divine no matter who we are or where we are there is a desire in us to want to be in a space where we have an understanding of who we are and why we're here we're looking for a place where we can be completely accepted where we can be accepted for everything that we are away from what we do there is a difference between what we do and who we are it's like being and doing the doing part is our earthly purpose the things that we do 
our work, even if we're a minister of the gospel or a religious leader, there is a personality, an internal personality that exists separate from what we do. And that is who we need to discover. And that discovery can only happen when we invest in a relationship with God, when we invest in discovering how we can connect with God on an internal level. A lot of the things going on around us have a heavy focus on becoming this person that does things. But we need to get to a place where no matter what you do, you can be able to take off those six hats at the end of the day and you're still completely comfortable in who you are. I think that knowing who you are and knowing the source of your identity lifts the weight off your shoulders to have a performance attitude. There is a place where you can be at peace internally in who you are and who God called you to be because you are at peace with the divine. You are at peace with God. And it is from that peace, really, from that internal peace where you can build a lifetime's work that lasts because it's not built from a place of performance. It's not built from a place of impressing people. It's not even built from uh, surface ideas, from your doing abilities. It is built from who you are. And I can tell you that there's two kinds of people in the world that are making an impact. Those that are making an impact, having their abilities as a source of who they are. And those that are making an impact, having their being as the source of what they do. And I think we don't have to go any further to understand who is way more fulfilled between the two. There's a saying that ever since I heard it, I have tied to my being, to who I am, to always remind me of the essence of seeking a relationship with God first. All our works in life are like a building. We're all building something. And I think I first heard this from my pastor throughout my teens into my 20s. He used to say, yes, we're all doing things. But those things that you're doing, are they things of value? Are they things of purpose? Are they things of eternal significance? And that saying changed my life. Because how we can know that we're only operating with our earthly purpose, that we're not yet in touch with who God is and at peace internally apart from our works is that we can be doing things of value and things of purpose. But to be able to do things from a place and a perspective of eternal significance, that is a gift that can only come from knowing God because you are building with a perspective that is beyond this life. And I think the Bible also uses an analogy of our works and our works being refined or going through a fire. The Bible has a lot of analogies to reflect an idea uh, that all our works, imagine that 
your works were things. Your works were matter. Uh, they took a form and a shape. And that there's a fire that ravaged those things. And the Bible says that only those things done out of an intimate, genuine, honest, peaceful relationship with God will last the test of time. Only those things that come from an honest relationship with God will last the test of time. All of the works that came from human effort, all of, so we can imagine even as we build today, I think that the question that we should have at the back of our minds is this imagination that if all of the things that I'm doing are going through the fire of eternity, that's what I'm going to call it, that transition between this life and the next, what will I remain with? That's one of the things that should inspire us to invest in a relationship with God. I'll circle back to that Samuel example. I think that that story is a great story because it shows us a God who cares. And I think also you find the same ideas at the beginning of books like Jeremiah. Also, in certain portions of the prophetic writings that spoke of a king that would come and he would uh, rule over the children of Israel when they were in captivity. And that prophecy was given hundreds of years before that person was even born. What that tells me is that there is a purpose of things that we do on earth, but there is also a purpose that can only come from God, a fulfillment of who we are of who he created us to be, that can only come from God. God designated and he designates the things that he knows we will find fulfillment is apart from the work that we do. Just that knowing that God knows me, he had me and he has me in mind. And when all of this is over, I have a space where I'm comfortable in my own physical as well as spiritual skin that I have invested in peace that outlasts any image of me, anything I will ever do. I'm in a space where I'm accepted completely simply for being who I am with God. And if that sounds complicated, here is my submission. When we want to know more about a subject, we invest in it. Time, effort, my observation of our limited time on earth is that it would be a shame to get to the end of this life without ever having heavily invested in knowing at all if there is a God, if he is real, and if having a relationship with God is a possibility. I find that the people that have taken the time to do that and gotten to that place where who they are in that space where performance is not the motivation, but the result of spending time with God, that those are some of the most fulfilled people I've ever met who are making the greatest impact in this world. So I feel like the big question is, how do you know God? My observation has been that it's not that 
we don't want to know God or we don't want to realize our spirituality and be quote unquote born again. It's that we don't know how. We don't know how. One might think, so where do I find God? How do I know God? Surely if he was at the grocery store, I would go there and find him and then ask, ask him how I could know him. Um, if God were tangible and physical, maybe I could touch him and have a conversation one-on-one and the way would be easier for me to find. But I find that it's the idea of who God is that is more confusing And it's not that the desire isn't there to seek the divine, to seek a God, because we all have that God-shaped hole. My submission is, here is how you can go about feeling it. There's a verse I used to read over and over long ago where I didn't like the Bible, I didn't read much of it, and I wasn't a Christian. But I always came across this verse, and it was only after I started on that journey of investing in knowing God that it started to open up to me a little bit and that's true to say of anything spiritual it can only be revealed to add a little bit of humor to that you can say truly knowing God uh, can only be revealed kind of like the analogy of the emperor's clothes you know only the wise can see well um in that sense there was nothing to see because there were no clothes on the emperor but in real life God is there and I think that he invites us to know him on his terms and not ours it's like if you were going to see a dignitary or a president or somebody important in society when you go to their house do you go on your terms or do you go on their terms and their protocol and stay with me a little bit there because the verse that I used to so often read and never really open my eyes to which I feel like is in essence guiding to the beginning of what a spiritual journey looks like is Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 there's there's so much to say about the setting in which God said it He said it to a different people other than us. He said it to a different generation other than us. But I think we can learn from the conversation that God was having with his people that he was leading at the time. He told them, come now, let us reason together. Even if you're so bad, and even if you have your own thoughts about how things should be or that I don't exist come to a neutral space in your mind and entertain the idea of the divine entertain the idea of there being a god and he said come let us reason together no matter your position I can do something about that and the relief about seeking a relationship with god is that He takes on the responsibility of revealing himself. I have to say, I don't worry much about somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus because that is the responsibility of God to reveal. Our responsibility is to seek, to knock, and to ask. 
And when you've done that, you have done your part. As simple as thinking a thought. I do want to know you, God, but I don't know how. And if you're out there somewhere, reveal yourself to me. You are justified to pray. It's never been in the responsibility of man to answer himself. And truly, if God is as great as he says he is, he's as big as he says he is, and he's as everywhere as he says he is, then it's not your worry to defend his character. My submission is, why don't you seek and see if he doesn't show you? Why don't you ask and see if he doesn't answer? Why don't you knock and see if he doesn't open the door to a revelation of who he is, who you are, and the fulfillment of the purposeful life that he's called you to live. Seek him first and see if he doesn't come through for you. The good thing that comes out of placing value on creating an environment that allows you to nature a relationship with God or to go on a path where you are seeking understanding of spirituality, of God and spirituality and how your own life fits into that is that when you have been with God, when you have been on that path to know who God is and to spend time with him, I feel like it is from that place where the desire to be intentional about how you live your life is born, that desire to do things not just that will matter now, but that will extend beyond this life because you're not just doing things for the sake of doing them. You are doing those things out of who you are. And when all is said and done, who you are absolutely outlasts anything you could ever do. And that is the value of knowing God first because everything that you do comes under that beautiful umbrella of knowing who God is and knowing who you are and knowing that there is nothing that you could ever do performance-wise that has an impact on the relationship that you have with God. He doesn't approve of you because of anything you could ever do. He approves of you because you're in relationship with him. And I think that it's that kind of relationship and confidence out of which our desire to do the things that we do should be born. Because it's not about those things, whether we do them or not, whether we we're, we're excellent in our earthly purpose or, or not. And, and it is important that we are, but there is an existence of self that is separate from anything we'll ever do in this world. And that is who we really are when nobody's looking, when it matters to no one else. That is the highest level of fulfillment that we could ever have, is sharing and understanding our relationship with God. And that becomes a much bigger fuel for purpose than anything I have ever known. Thank you. 
Thank you for taking time to listen to this podcast. If you've not subscribed to the I Believe podcast, go to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, and leave a review.